All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I'm joined today by Washington Post beat reporter. Should have had you on a long time ago, but we're glad to have you today. Kareem Copeland. You can get him at Twitter at Kareem Copeland, which is great. Just like me, it's at Bobby Bancroft. I love it when people have Twitter handles like that. Kareem, I haven't seen you on a Zoom in a couple weeks, so I feel like, you know, I miss you. What's going on, man? <laughs> what up, Bobby? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, trying to catch our breath. It was it was a crazy march. So just kind of um took I took about a week off to kind of catch my breath and now um back at it. Gotta you know, it, it's that time of the year to kinda get back into hoops and, and look think about the future and we got some, you know, good stuff with the NBA and WNBA about to start. So um, you know, more good time for hoops. So I know that you do a lot of things. You know, I met you a couple of years ago when you were covering Washington football. For the for the listeners out there, just give it a little pers- uh, perspective. I know you've been all over the country. When was the last time you had been on a college basketball beat, and what team was that? Was it out like in uh, Utah or? Yeah, I would say that would be Utah. Um, I covered the so I was AP when I was out in Salt Lake City. So okay, I pretty much had um, everything from um, you know. Uh, from everything youth football and basketball to BYU to to the um to the jazz a lot of jazz work uh some a lot of winter olympics a little bit of everything out there in Utah and Salt Lake City but um yeah they had a, uh the last coop squad would be um those Utah teams that were were pretty good but kind of couldn't get over the hump you know those groups had Delon Wright and and um Oh, I'm going blank. Yaka Pirtle and I guess the last Kuzma. guy was Kyle Kuzma. Yep, Kyle was. It was interesting. You know, we were all we're all thinking, uh oh, you know, he left early and we didn't know if it was going to work out for him. And then he catches on with the Lakers and has those amazing that amazing first year. And we're like, hey, it looks like it's worked out for him. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it, it's wild to. Um, it's always fun to kind of try to evaluate these guys who. You know, you, you you think they may need another year, you know, just because things um, haven't quite clicked um, on the college level. And then all of a sudden, you know, they get into the league and, and sometimes the league fits a guy a little bit better than college does. And I think Kyle Kuzma was definitely one of those guys where, you know, his style of play and, and just the spacing of the court um, just kind of fit him a little bit better than the college game um and so yeah i know there's quite a few uh georgetown guys uh that will be looking at who are trying to make that decision right now i mean shoot i think pickett is one of those guys who you know he's got that nba frame um that you always think and would want him to do a little bit more um in college but um you never know you know guys guys get to the league and they surprise you and take steps that um that you you don't expect sometimes you know and 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 more than anything they don't have to worry about schoolwork and stuff like that so all of a sudden they can just kind of focus on hoop and um they might you know some guys make some strides that were unexpected so uh but yeah now i'm just kind of rambling at this point but well, yeah no you thought you thought hoops was the last one it was the last one i was uh, with every single day on an everyday basis okay cool no i mean it's so it's great to have these conversations and uh, that's a lot of things that we miss by not being you know, at games or at media veils in person. Um, You've kind of taken me to different parts of my outline here, which is totally cool. I will say real quick before we move on that Utah team beat 
the last Georgetown team to make the tournament, the last team before, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So mm-hmm. we all, we all, we all know about that team. That was a four or five matchup winner got Duke and uh, you know, the team with the three NBA players ended up winning that game. So it's not all that surprising. <laughs> I, I suppose. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that was a good team. That team should have gone farther in that tournament than they, than they yeah. did. It just didn't, um, it just didn't work out. But yeah, if you got, if you got a, uh, you got a squad with three NBA guys on it, um, you know, you, you kind of look back and you say, man, you should have got more out of that group and, you know, poor or not poor, but you know, things happen. Larry Chris, uh, just, just got, um, he just got released and, yeah. you know, Larry was a good guy and, 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 you know, went about building his program in a little bit different way. Um, you know, but he, he had some good NBA guys come through there. It just, you know, never all came together. And it's, you know, you can point at a, at a, at a, at a ton of programs across the country that um, kind of run into those same things. You know, we sometimes forget how, how tricky the college game can be and all the other things that kind of go into it, except, you know, all the things that go on besides just, you know, what happens on the court. And, you know, that's what happens when you're dealing with 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Yeah, no, as much as I love college basketball and always have the idea of having to keep, uh, you know, get them, keep them, deal with them, you know, they make a lot of money and it's not an easy job. So you brought up Pickett. And I can't help but avoid this situation where, you know, the hoop club in the last hour basically sent out what would normally be the banquet, which we would have probably gone to. Obviously, Mm -hmm. there's no banquet. It's a virtual celebration. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the people that like to read the tea leaves and, you know, so they've got Blair and Pickett and Belay along with the manager that they're honoring. We've seen a lot of teams, I should say schools in the Big East, bring back some guys that are probably – maybe not NBA guys, but kind of like an in-between, maybe they're going to play overseas or whatever. Um, I know that we don't know. We haven't heard anything. Um, which of those guys do you think maybe would help next year's team or which, which of those guys do you think would help themselves by playing again? Again, I have no idea if they will, and I'm not going to influence your answer. I'll tell you what I think after you. <laughs> um, no, I think, I mean, to be truthful, um they probably all help themselves by coming back i'm i'm it, it it's it, it's funny i'm i typically tend to side on um on the comeback side especially with guys who you know have had a little bit of consistency issues and i think that um what you've seen with you know really all three of those guys that we're talking about right now yeah. um you know picket I think is the guy that, you know, you look at, you look at his body and you say, that's an NBA body. You look at it, you know, the, his ability to um, guard multiple positions, his side, his, his size, his ability to kind of work both inside and out. The only thing that you wonder is, okay, with all of this, you know, with all of this natural ability, you know, how come he doesn't dominate on more of a, on, on more of an everyday kind of basis and more every game basis. And so that would be my, that's my thing with him is just, I want to just see him, you know, when he has those great games, I just want to see him do it more often. Yeah. However, you know, when you, when you're looking from a league perspective, um, you know, if you can, 
well, there's a couple ways. From a league perspective, you're like, hey, let's get this guy in our system. Let's get this guy, you know, in our weight training system, um, you know, and, and he can he might be able to. We don't need him to, to, to be the man right now, but let's see him develop over two, three years um, in, the, in our system, in an NBA weight room, all those kind of things. Um, you know, that's what your GMs and your scouts are kind of looking at. And you might think, hey, this is a time to kind of, um, you know, hey, we've seen what we need to see. Let's start that process now. Um, others are on the on the other side of it or, or who want to see um, that consistency kind of, you know, when they're in school. But, you know, that's the – I always say as as much as that's what I want to see, that's always what I say is that's what separates, you know, a good player from the greats. You know, it's hard to do it every night, every single day, especially as a 19, 20-year-old. So I definitely get it, um, but I definitely think he's also kind of a guy who, who's, who's found himself down the stretch of last season. And, you know, if we're talking from a strictly, you know, a Georgetown perspective, you know, you plug that guy in and you tell him, okay, go get it uh, next year. And, you know, and and you've got high hopes for a guy like Muhammad coming in. Um, You're expecting Dante Harris to take another step forward. Um, You'd think Sibley is going to be um, a bigger factor. So, it's, it's kind of like if you lose all three of those guys, you almost feel like you're you're almost starting over where you know yeah. to get to back where you were at the end of last year because it took almost all season for those guys to kind of finally find their legs and find find what they did best and how to gel and all that kind of stuff so it almost like okay here we go again um but as i can see the both sides on it you know a guy like judier i don't know if he can um you know what i don't know if his stock can rise much higher you know, he ended his he ended the season on such a good stretch that okay, you know, it's probably asking a lot for him to do it for an entire season. And you know, he he he's also kind of got that that physicality and that that body that NBA guys are going to look for. And again, you know, if he's got that body, a lot of scouts and a lot of GMs are like, hey, we can, you know, once we get him every single day and are working with him every single day, we can kind of mold him and 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 build him into taking that next step now you know we're we're not talking about you know um you know you don't you know you don't have to be a lottery picket to pick to make it in the league anymore you know there there's there's guys who are working their way through the g league who 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 take a little bit longer path to kind of get there and so i i can certainly see some you know teams looking at chudier saying um, yeah, I would have liked to see more, but here's a guy who who's who's shown it in stretches and and we we've got time to develop him, you know, once he gets out of college. So um Javon, I think he's kinda have gonna have some some, some physical issues that, that 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 is gonna be tough for him at the next level. Um obviously he was he now he's the guy who was the most consistent of them all, I would say, throughout the season. Um, you know, from beginning to end, but at the same time, you know, he's a little bit more physically limited than those other two guys. So I think that's going to be where um, some NBA teams take some pause. So, um, it, you know, there's a lot of questions with all three of them. There's no, there's no 
yes, he's ready. There's no, um, no, he doesn't have a chance with any of those guys. Um, I think Blair's probably got the toughest road ahead of him just because he's got some, you know, just some straight, you know, physical, you know, limitations that is going to be hard to overcome that, you know, um, just from a pure body perspective kind of a thing. But if we're talking about from a Georgetown perspective, you'd love to have all three back, you know, the numbers are starting to get a little bit crazy and you're going to have to figure out that kind of stuff. But um, if you're Patrick Ewing, hell yeah, you want all three back. (laughs) Yeah. It's just crazy. I know you haven't covered the, you know, the team the whole time Ewing's been there. This was his fourth year. And, I know college basketball just kind of, it is the way it is right now as far as transfer portal and guys just leaving when it doesn't seem to even make sense from any angle you look at it. And it would be crazy if the only two guys he's had that have stayed, not even just four years, but the only two guys so far he's had stay for even three straight seasons are Pickett and Blair. That if one of them or even both of them were to come back for a fifth, it's like, wow, like they just, they're just so attached to these guys. And, you know, coming into the season, it's like, okay, you got Blair, you got Pickett. You think maybe Kudis might make, you know, a leap, which you, I don't, I, w- I wouldn't say he made a leap, but he became, he progressed and got better. Um, but if they do both go away, you are looking at, wow, you know, you know, go back to Ewing, the gumbo, he's got to start making the gumbo again and stuff like that. And um, so I think while Javon and Jamarco have done literally everything they can do for the program, including an unbelievable Big East championship. Um, it might be asking a lot for them to come back for a fifth year, but I think it would make sense for at least one of them to do it. And I think that picket belay spot is probably the spot from the Georgetown, just a basketball standpoint is probably most coveted that, you know, that, that power forward that can also shoot. So as much as I like Blair, um, and I think him coming off the bench is probably the best spot for him. I know he's a thousand point scorer and he has to do a lot after the guys left his junior year. Um, I think it's the other two guys, even though I think any of them you would, you would want back if you were, if you were Patrick. Um, so yeah. I guess that's, that's my way of answering you. as well, that they should all, <laughs> that they, they, they could all help. Um, but I think it's, I'd probably lean towards that four spot. Yeah, I mean, that's the coveted spot on every level of basketball right now. If you can get yeah. a four that can shoot, um, that can that can guard multiple positions and, and, and switch, um, you know, and, and not be a defensive li- liability when he accidentally gets matched up on a two or a one that can still hold his ground and yeah. still strong enough to kind of bang, you know, that's that's what everybody's looking for right now. Everybody's Everybody's looking for that Jason Tatum. Um, kind of style that that body type that wing that 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 can do multiple things that works both inside and out. Um, that that seems to be the, the the coveted spot in in basketball. I don't care what level you're on right now. Um, you can same thing for the women. You know that's just um, that that's that perfect little um, position that you can get so much out of um, if you if you've got that 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 versatility there um now it's not easy to find but if you can get it um you definitely want to hold on to it as long as you can for sure and i know well i know and you know now after you're on the beat you know that patrick doesn't always let us in to everything he's thinking but i thought over the year (laughs) one of the more interesting things he said and i mean i don't think that he leads us astray but i don't think that he often 
well, particularly when like there's been losing going on. When the when the winning starts, you start to hear some interesting stories from him, which I guess is a lot. That's what a lot of people are going to sort of, you know, go towards. But one of the interesting things he did say at the time, and I wasn't thinking about it for this particular group, but it, it became a big deal. Is he had mentioned that one of the things Thompson told him was, you got to recruit the kids that are on your campus sometimes harder than the kids that you're trying to get to come to your campus. And I, you know, it made sense based on what had happened the year before with just an unbelievable high amount of kids leaving. Um, We just saw it. And I know you don't cover the Maryland men, you cover the women. So you're around college park, you you know, you know, people at college park. And I know you're not from the area, but how crazy, I mean, are you surprised? I'm not going to try and lead you. Are you surprised that Kudis did what he did? And, how big of a deal you think it is that he just went a couple miles away to college park? Cause those are two fan bases that aren't really friends. That's the surprise to me more than anything okay. is that he ended up at Maryland. Yeah. Um, you know, like I didn't, I didn't see, uh, you know, I didn't see um, the transfer coming and he, the the oddest part about it to me was I thought, I thought Patrick tried to show him at least, you know, speaking to us and yeah. speaking to the media, he tried to show Cutis as much love as, as anybody, you know, he was constantly saying, Hey, I think he could be one of the best centers to ever come through here. And, you know, obviously those are big words coming yeah. from Patrick Ewing and at this program. So I, I didn't think, you know, if I'm, um, you know, I, I can't. I, we obviously don't know all the things that happen beyond the behind the scenes. Yeah. But if you're talking about, hey, um, you want somebody that supports you, um, at least publicly, he was as supported as anybody on this team by Patrick. So um, the fact that he just went right across town, that part surprised me a little bit. Um, but trans, you know, this thing with the transfer portal and and especially this year, you know, I I'm I'm getting less and less surprised every time somebody transfers, you know, and yeah, um, just because you know, kids are different this year. College, I mean, not this year, just in general. Um, college basketball is set up differently. Guys have um have more freedom and have more. Are, are are more individuals and I don't have a problem with that like I mean it, it's I, I understand it's frustrating for programs and things like that but I'm I'm just I'm just typically siding on the side of player freedom um regardless of whether you're talking about college pro whatever I'm 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 just kind of in general um more on that side it was actually funny I was talking to um I was talking to Washington Mystics coach Mike Tebow yesterday okay. and we were we were talking a little bit about um you know a big topic has come up about early entry for the women um how they're not really allowed to now and 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 how or should that change and he he had he almost took the words out of my brain when he said hey I'm just in general a fan of right to work. Like, hey, if somebody wants to give you an opportunity um, to 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 perform your craft, regardless of what age you are or or that kind of stuff, he's like, I think everybody should have the opportunity. You know, now if it doesn't work out for them, that's on them. But 
if, if there's an employer somewhere willing to give you an opportunity, um, he has no issue with, with folks. He thinks those folks should be able to get that opportunity. And that's kind of how I am in general also. Now, um, is, is, it, is it tough to see a guy sign, a freshman sign, and then get get a little, um, I'm trying to use the right word, get a little upset because they didn't get the playing time or get, get the opportunities they thought they were going to and then turn around and want to leave that much, that quick? Um, yeah, that's that's not what you want to see, and that's that's not generally good for um, college basketball as a whole. But I still am typically, um, you know, these are kids, and and these are individuals, and not just kids. I mean, whether you're a kid or you're a grown man, if you're in a situation um, that you don't, um, you know, that you didn't think it's what you're was going to be, or there's a million different scenarios of why guys want to. Um, you know, go elsewhere. Uh, I don't. I don't have a whole lot of. Um, I typically support um, having some kind of option as opposed to a kid signs as a 17-year-old freshman and then he's just inherently locked into that situation for the next four years. Um, I don't think that's necessarily fair either. And so there wasn't a ton of. I, I like. For to be cutest for a guy who is so well supported, and for a guy playing under Patrick Ewing, a center, you know, a guy in that mold, that part surprised me. But the fact that you know it was another year where one of your top players transferred, that part wasn't a huge surprise to me. Um, yeah, and I know, think because... you know, Kudis is now the answer to a question, right? It was always. You hear pundits on TV, a lot of, you know, Fox, because Georgetown's in the Big East are on Fox all the time. You hear, you know, Rob Stone, Steve Lavin, you know, sing the praises. You know, what center wouldn't want to play for Patrick Ewing? And now we have our answer, right? You know, and that's, I think, is the part that, you know, when you go back and you look at McClung and you look at Akinjo and LeBlanc and different guys, and you can kind of, you can look at every situation and be like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, I get that now, blah, blah, blah this is the one where you're just like, I don't know if I have the answer for this one. And, you know, Georgetown's probably, and I don't know enough about Maryland. I don't watch them anymore, particularly when they went to the big 10 based on my age. I just think of them. I'll I'll be more likely to sit down and watch Maryland play Clemson or play Georgia tech or someone that I'm going to watch them play Purdue. That's just my, (laughs) that's just, that's just who I am. Right. I grew up big East ACC right or wrong. That's just who I am. Um, But I, there are not many power teams that are going to want to play inside out. Like, you know, Patrick does because that's what Patrick was. And so it's definitely to me, the biggest head scratcher, uh, particularly after the way the season ended. And let me get to this. You've covered a lot of different sports in a lot of different cities. Where would you rank out of surprise? Just sheer, just amazement. What Georgetown did in New York city. And before you answer, I wanted to let you know, if it hadn't have been COVID, me and you would have had a really good time in New York City for four or five days. I just want to let you know. Oh, it would have been going down for sure, <laughs> for sure. And, and one of one of my best uh, one of my best friends um, is up there in New York. It definitely would have been a great time. Yeah, um, there's no question <laughs> about that. As as far as the surprise, it's actually probably one of the biggest surprises of every of 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 anything I've seen over the years of specifically of things that I've covered, um, you know, on an everyday basis, like that was, 
again, there's no way you could have told me. Like, I would have taken any bets that anyone had in at the when we were at Christmas time or, yeah. or at the beginning of January. Somebody hey, said, Kareem, hey, Kareem, I was I was of the mind the way the season was going, and because it, you know it's so hard on the kids, everything they had to do when COVID hit them. I was thinking, and we didn't see any major men's team do it. We saw some major women's teams do it. I was like, you know what? Depending on how bad this COVID situation is with Georgetown and just the way things are trending, if they said, you know what? And I'm sure there's obligations with Fox and all these different things that would have negated what I'm about to say. But if they had been like, you know what? We tried our best. It's not safe. We'll see you in November. I'd be like, you know what? Okay, I get it. It wouldn't have been the end of the world. It yeah. wouldn't have been with the way the team was playing, um, all the issues with COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you've got your, your your starting point guard that began the season, is, uh-huh. you know, left and, and, and has never come back. Like all of these things kind of on top of it, that wouldn't have been, um, you know, that wouldn't have been a crazy thought or a crazy prospect to happen because. Well, pretty was, much everyone I told that to said I was crazy. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was – well, the, again, like, you've seen other programs. Now, again, with all of the other logistics that we're talking about, uh, yeah. yeah, now you got to take into case all that kind of thing. But um, from a pure standpoint of where the team and where the program was and all the things that was fighting and, and you know – and, again, we also know Patrick's got – uh, more of a respect for this COVID thing than than anybody else having yeah, you know been hospitalized true. himself with it. So yeah. um, you know he kind of kept talking throughout the season about you know I think they were I think um, between Patrick and being in DC that has had um, some more tightened restrictions than a lot of other places around the country. Um, I, I think they were very I, – I think as a program, they were very cautious um, about how they proceeded whenever, you know, COVID issues kind of arose, you know. They got that late start partially because of it. So um, so all that all that happened, and then they would they, – they post-pause, they were great. <laughs> and then they went to New York. And I know, look, every run has a little bit of luck, right? Like you can look back at any run and say, oh, you got fortunate there because of this happened or that happened. And you know what? So I'm not going to make excuses for that. But when they, they put all that together and they did what they did, and not even just they did what they did, I mean, the Creighton game wasn't even a game, right? I mean, Creighton gave yeah. Gonzaga a better game in the tournament than they gave Georgetown in the Big East final. I mean, I just, to yeah. me, I can't think of anything that came out of left field more than what Georgetown did. So I, I just not, thought from your perspective of covering other stuff, like, what have you seen? In person. <laughs> like, I... Whoops! I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I'm, 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 I'm just saying. Like, have you seen anything that sort of like, you know, matches that, or you know, beats it, or comes close, or whatever? Maybe no. No, n- n- not that I've, not that I've been um, covering um, live. Um, okay. Not that with a team that I've dealt with every day. I mean, I covered those. Uh, I covered the two Jameis Winston Florida State years. Okay. Um, which were which which was some pretty incredible football and pretty out of left field stuff off the field that we won't even get yeah. into yeah, but yeah. uh but you know that, that that was but still that was a team that you knew was um damn good from day one um even though you know it was it was led by you know no one 
you know, Jameis was one of the top recruits in the country, but you, you still didn't know exactly what it was going to be until he stepped onto the field and and um, as a as a redshirt freshman, and he kind of just took over from there. Um, I saw I saw some jazz teams make some strides that 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 had struggled those first couple of years that I was there, but um, as far as a turnaround, this like that fast in a midseason, as far as a team that was one of the worst in the league that was ranked what in the 300s and turnovers remember when they couldn't even hold on to the ball like, yeah i do <laughs> they, they, they literally couldn't hold on to the ball for they would just come down six possessions in a row and just throw it away well um, i mean so... they, they got to the point where it was like look i know it's not a great number but if they can kind of keep turnovers at 15 they've got a pretty good chance to beat most teams and that's yeah, that's kind of a high number crazy which is not, which is a very high number, which is not a good number that anyone should ever aspire to. But for that team, as as far as how bad it was, it was like, hey, if you can cut them down a little bit, at least you've got a chance. You got a better chance than you know when you were throwing away eighteen, nineteen times a game. So, um, no, it was it, it was a pretty remarkable turnaround um, in, in season to you know come back from a three week break and completely look like a different team and. Um, yeah, no, nothing that I've seen, nothing that I've covered, um, you know, on an everyday basis. That was, that was pretty wild. And it also taught me a pretty big lesson, um, just from a personal standpoint, because, uh, before I covered the team for various outlets and still doing it, um, I'd grown up in the area as a Georgetown fan. Um, I'd had season tickets out of college and I got more into writing, where I started covering them so those went away so between covering the games and going to the games I've seen a lot of Georgetown basketball in my life and I always leave March open okay always (laughs) and you know we knew we couldn't go to the Big East tournament I still took some time off of my full-time job when they played Marquette and Villanova because those games were early in the day okay and I would have, you know, I would have been there if it hadn't been for COVID. But the NCAA tournament, you know, we kind of made plans like that second weekend. And I know Georgetown didn't, you know, they, they lost to Colorado, obviously. But it was looking like when the bracket came out, like, I was like, uh, you know, we're going to be vaccinated. We have like this first trip to do something. And I looked across, you know, at dinner one night and I said, so here's the deal. Okay. It's probably <laughs> unlikely they get to the second weekend, but if they do, that's something we're going to have to deal with. And, um, you know, <laughs> so I said, look, this, I don't care. Cause you know, I tried to explain, I said, look, they had a 0.8% chance on Ken Palm of winning the Big East tournament, which was the only way they were going to get into the big dance. There was no at large type of situation. So yeah. 0.8 or I'm sorry. Yeah, it was 0.8 or whatever, whatever it was, it was less than one. Okay. And um that's going forward we learned we learned there's gonna be no more booking places and making plans to where i say uh sorry i have to you know do this this and this um so they taught me a lesson that i almost learned uh the hard way it was close Um, (laughs) so it's something you know we all try and just get better right we just try and get better and yeah um, oh yeah you know don't don't start making those 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 holiday plans for March or those vacation vacation plans for March because you never quite know. No, right? you don't. I was, it... I was doing the same thing, trying to predict some things, and <laughs> and you never quite know. You know, all of a sudden, all it takes is somebody getting hot for a four game stretch at the right time, and all of a sudden it's on. 
Yeah, it is on. And they, you know, they looked, they looked really good. So I know Georgetown's not a blue blood. I think we're about, we're in the same age range. So we have the same perspective on what we've experienced. I always think that Georgetown's like in that, if you're talking like, you know, the post Thompson era, he got there in 72, even if you want to start like in 80, when they made a serious run to the elite eight. Okay. Um, I think Georgetown is in like a next group of teams that is sort of like hovers below what we're going to consider the blue bloods. And during what they did in New York between Patrick, you know, having the rant on Dolan, um, you know, just Georgetown and the brand became a big deal for that week. And any sort of doubts I had that Georgetown was sort of a sleeping giant, you know, kind of below those four or five, six blue bloods. And they're like in the next group of like, I don't know, 10 to 12 or 15, whatever, however deep you want to go. Um, did that week show you that, that if Georgetown could get good again, get relevant again, there is still a thirst for it, right? Or am I just making this up? No, I think you're absolutely right. It was, it was, um, it was funny. Like, you know, all of a sudden you just heard people who hadn't like really mentioned Georgetown in years, yeah. all of a sudden, um, you know, they were, it was back, it, it was back in the national conversation. Um, people were reminiscing about back in the day. People were talking about Iverson. People were breaking yeah. out there, talking about their Georgetown starter jackets. It was actually funny. I had my cousin sending me, was sending me um, a bunch of random pictures from, you know, just us being kids and, you know, doing stupid stuff at kids. Um, but one was a picture of, you know, me and my sister and my three cousins standing outside of uh, my cousin's house growing up, I must have been, I had to be, I'm assuming I was 10 or 11. Okay. And I had a Georgetown t-shirt and Georgetown hat on that I completely forgot about. I was like, oh yeah, I did have some Georgetown gear back in the day. Yeah, um, just normal. So it was like, I think it was those kind of things that all of a sudden, like it, it, it kind of, a lot of that stuff that people kind of had forgotten over the years kind of got pushed back to the forefront and, and brought back a lot of memories for folks that, um, you know, quite frankly, you know, when, when the program went through those rough years, um, you know, you, you lose some of that national hype. I mean, I, I think you can look at it um, across programs, across sports, where uh, a team that dominated for a decade and was super popular um, and, and everyone was talking about, you know, all of a sudden you go through a rough, um, you know, a rough five to ten years plus, all of a sudden you're not talked about, but then you come back and everybody's like, oh, yeah, I remember them. They were like, I use, quite frankly, this is, you know, this is a biased example, but this is what I know best. You know, I use Michigan as an example of that a lot of times. You know, it was, uh, you know, Michigan, you know, coming off of that Fab Five, they had a lot of that hype. And, um, you know, they had won in a, a national championship in 89. They had, they had come back with those Fab Five guys and even had a couple good classes after that. And, and it was very much, you know, Michigan basketball was talked a lot about nationally. And then, um, you know, you fell off for about 15 years or now maybe not 15 years, but at least a decade. And, you know, it's just quiet and they finally had to slowly kind of build back up with Beeline and, and it got a little bit more attention, but still not. But now that it's like Juwan Howard and, and, and they're making this run again, yeah. they're highly ranked. Now it's, 
you know, everybody's talking about Michigan basketball again, and everybody's reminiscing about the five, five years, and everybody's, you know, talk, remembering about Glenn Rice and those guys. And so I think it's, I, quite frankly, I think it's kind of very similar to um, a little bit what, what Georgetown's going through. Everybody, you know, you hire Patrick, and, every, you know, that grabs everybody's attention, and it auto, automatically connects people to, that pat, to the past. Um, you know, he didn't quite have the success, but when the success kind of started at the end of this last year, they run that tournament, you all of a sudden you could see if this program got consistently good with a, with a guy like Patrick at the helm, you could see how much of a a national brand it could become again and could become real quick. So, uh no, I don't. I don't think you're off base by saying that at all. I think it's. I think the proof was there. I mean, um, all of a sudden, what those those, those post games or off day um, Zoom sessions that we were having, where it was basically crowded. me, you, yeah, me, you, and four or five other guys throughout the season. By the time we're, you know, they're rolling in the Big East tournament, those suckers were jam-packed and hard to get a question in. And I was like, where were all you, where were all these people all season long, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's what, you know, but that's what happens in, you know, in sports. And that's what happens when people are successful. All of a sudden, um, you get more attention, more people want to interviews, there's a lot more requests and all those kinds of things. So um, it wasn't a surprise, but it was definitely an example of, um, what could be and what could be real quickly if they got consistently good. So speaking of getting consistently good, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's controversial to say that those four days were better, a better four day stretch than they'd had in Patrick's previous almost four years of coaching Georgetown. You know, we didn't see a lot from the freshman class. We start, well, obviously Dante Harris, um, Sibley was the highest ranked guy. He finally became basically someone you knew you were going to see a little bit. Uh, we didn't see a lot of Kobe Clark. We surprisingly saw some Colin Holloway at the end, which was interesting. Um, random sometimes. <laughs> right, right. You know, and we know we got, we know we got a Matumbo coming in, the, the first five star uh, Muhammad's coming in. I, I don't think anyone thinks Patrick's under pressure, but when you do look at how the four years have gone, there is this thirst for the fan base and now now they got a taste of it how important you think of it is not to take a step back this year and i know you can't win the biggest tournament every year that's very difficult to do but for this team to with all these freshman pieces you don't know how long you're going to have muhammad just because guys like him if they end up want, if they end up staying in school longer than a year and i'm not saying him but guys like him a lot of times they look and they think well maybe i got to do it somewhere else just because they want to be a one and done guys of that caliber want to be a one and done. Um, that's just the way it is right now in 21, 22 and all that stuff. Um, how big do you think it is that they at least find themselves in the bubble, assuming it's a normal year, assuming we have 30 games, all that stuff that they just build off of what they did in New York and, you know, become a team that's at least a bubble team come next February. Uh, I don't care who you are. If you if you, once you start to hit some success that you've been chasing that you haven't been able to kind of get there, you've got to capitalize on it and you've got to build on it because that stuff can be so gone so quick and and like we were talking about earlier with transfers and things like that, um, your program and 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 
your team can change so quickly that when you, when you start heading uphill and you have that success and people are starting to talk about you, you've got to capitalize on that right then. Because if you regress, we see how quick it is to, to fall back into that same pattern of where you were and, 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 and two, two things, you know, folks not caring nationally about who you are, number one. And number two, you know, recruits have a short memory and they're watching, you know, they're watching. They're like, okay, you know, they, they took that step forward. They're bringing in a guy like Muhammad. They're bringing in, um, you know, he, he, you know, Matumbo's not a five star, but you know, he's he's got some shine on him, and people know his name. Um, this is, you know, a guy they've seen a guy like Harris develop. Like this is this is the time that you definitely need to take kind of take that step step forward while people while you've got some eyes on you because we know how it was when you didn't have any eyes on you and we know how difficult that is. Um, but if, 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 and again, I always say more than anything, it all depends on your recruiting. Um, well, we all kind of know that, um, you got to get the guys and, you know, now guys are sitting around. They're like, Oh, people are talking about Georgetown. Oh, they put together a nice little run. Oh, you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's any um, accident when Patrick name drops Barkley and Michael Jordan, yeah. and these guys, you know, he, 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 you know, when he, when he says, you know, yeah, I got 300 calls last night, but those are the two names he mentions. It's not accidentally, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, recruits are paying attention to that. You know, they, they want that shine. They want their coach to kind of, um, have those NBA connections and be able to put them in the same room as some of those guys. Um, so when when they start to see, you know, the ball start rolling, and and, and you know we all a foundation, and you know we always you know coaches love to say that you know talk about stacking your successes. Okay, you've had some success. You've got to stack this one now, or else you're just back to where you are. So it's a huge off season. It's it's um hugely important not to regress here even if you you know even if you are without Kudis, without Pickett, without Blair, um, you know, without Trudier. You know, that that those are you know, those are a lot of heavy hitters that you just lost that played a huge role um that in in, in the success that we're talking about now. Um but even if you lose those guys you know, you you got to keep moving forward. You got to keep moving forward, or or else you you get caught. People see you and and they say like, okay, you know, that was that was more fluke than 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 establishing something that can be built upon. So um, I definitely think it's a huge off season. I definitely think it's a huge um, time to stay in the forefront and stay in um, the minds of both the national media and and stay in the minds of of um of these recruits because we can see you know even recruiting is changing now these days you you see guys aren't um you know you were talking about blue bloods earlier you know the blue bloods always load up but i think you're seeing kids that are interested in 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 going some different places you know they don't necessarily want to be part of that you know, five person class of, of of five stars that all go to Kentucky. You know, I think guys look for opportunities where 
hey, maybe I can make a name for myself here, or maybe I can um, bring back a, a, a program that has had huge success in the past and that has been a huge national program in the past and, and bring it back to it and have a part of bringing it back to its glory. Um, Do you so think this I, would be I, a good time? Sorry, Kareem. Do you think this would be a good time? This is one of my pet things. And um, would this be a good year maybe to uh, loosen up the, uh, you mentioned national media attention to, you got a guy like Muhammad, you got Matumbo coming in to maybe loosen up the restriction on freshmen being available. Cause I got to think there's a lot of kids out there like the Muhammad's and not him, but five stars. I'll stop saying Muhammad, but five stars that, They want to be, you know, they want to get out there and they're probably, they're all going to be in college for nine months. And, you know, as we know, Georgetown doesn't make those guys available until, you know, second semester, January. Um, You think that's still a good rule? You think it'd probably be a good time maybe to loosen that up a little bit? I mean, I'm clearly biased from my, (laughs) from from the fact that I'm a reporter, the fact that I'm a journalist. But I always feel that, um, I always feel that you're doing guys a bit of a disservice by by hiding them. I mean, these kids, and I understand the old school thought process of it, and I I understand the, hey, make them earn it thought process of it. But at the same time, you know, these aren't, you know, especially when we're talking about, you know, these five stars, these aren't kids that are – that haven't talked to a reporter before, you know, these guys are, these guys are pretty, um, they might not be the most media savvy, but they're not, you know, completely no experience with the media by the time they get to um, college these days, these high school guys and between high school and AAU, they're talking to journalists and talking to guys, uh, folks all the time. Well, I'm journalists might be a, uh, might be a, a nice <laughs> way of saying that. I've been to some, I, <laughs> I've been to the peach jam and some, <laughs> some, some stuff where, uh, there's looks like, you know, some interesting people yeah. that are sort of lurking, but yes, I, I understand. I've been, point. I've been to those camps also where, where, where <laughs> they don't always qualify. I, 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 I gotcha. But I'm just saying, sitting down in front of a media person, I don't think is um, completely foreign for a lot of these guys, number one. Um, Number two, I also think it's part of growing up. And and if you want to be, you know, if you're a five-star coming to Georgetown and you've got aspirations of being a one-and-done and and going to the NBA and and, and you're going to have to be – going through interviews with, with GMs and scouts and coaches within, you know, nine months of graduating high school or so, or whatever we're talking about, whatever that time frame is. I don't think talking to a reporter about, you know, about post game is, is some kind of crazy thing that that they should be so completely unprepared for and and so completely just kind of washed over by. I mean, that's what college is for, right? Is to learn, so to yeah. learn how to um how to excel and grow into the profession that you choose and that you want to. And that 
the fact of saying, you know, you're not allowed to speak to media just because you're a freshman, especially when um, freshmen are not even, you know, staying in school for that entire first year and, and are, you know, are professionals and they're going to be talking at the draft and are going to be talking, you know, for the rest of their lives and careers. I don't know. I just, from my perspective, I've always thought, you know, the whole not allowing a freshman to talk as a as a bottom line, no no wiggle room rule has always been a disservice to to the kids from my perspective. Um, yeah, I just think you if know, you want to get adults. the best kids, if you want to get the best kids, I think that it's not a big deal, but I think it's part of the deal. And um, I think Georgetown has a very good, you know, they've got a good thing going with their brand. And I think that letting the kids, and I'm not saying they have to give 15 minute speeches, but I do think it would be a positive, you know, if Muhammad gets a lot of attention, then the next five star knows that I can go to Georgetown and I can be the star and, you know, within, within the team concept, but you know what I mean? I, I just think it's, Absolutely. it can, we're not, it can, we're it can only be a positive, I think. Yeah. We're not saying he's got to talk every day. We're not saying, you know, he, he's got to sit down for 15 minute sessions after every single game. Right. Um, I'm just saying having the, the, a, a complete rule where you completely cut them off. Um, I think that is, is a bit of a disservice, especially, you know, you know, you're going to have a big win and that guy's going to have a big game and not making them available to, to speak of it, to talk about it. Um, just because, you know, just because they're a freshman, I've I've always taken issue with that. And again, it kind of also goes kind of back to what I was saying before. You know, I I tend to be a little bit more player and individual oriented, and so that has always come off as as being um, unnecessarily controlling to me um, when we're talking about you know young adults who you know should, in my mind, have the right to speak their mind and and if you want to talk about what they talk about and talk you know that that you know all these guys get media training also media training is a big part of um what they're going to do for the rest of their lives you know especially the guys who continue to go pro so um i just think it's a and again they've been talking in high school so all of a sudden they're just not able to talk for this six month span because of an arbitrary rule that, that, that a program has decided. Um, I don't know. It, that's just always felt super controlling to me. But again, that's um, from my perspective. So obviously we've had to deal with so much stuff remotely. As an AP freelancer, I have been out to a lot of events, a lot of games in the area. Um, but still, even then, it almost feels like we're doing a Zoom anyway. I'm not really getting the benefit of going to the game other than you can see the bench when the, you know, you can see stuff that the TV camera doesn't have. That being said, I think that there could be some positives and I wanted to get your opinion um, as a Washington post beat reporter. Do you think there's any positives that can come out of what has happened in the last year? And I'll use Georgetown as the example. You know, I felt like we got a lot of access this year as far as pregame media availabilities. And the fact that I could just click on my computer and do it from my office rather than 
drive from Fairfax to get down there to park. And then it's only 20 minutes anyway. I thought that was incredible. Obviously you miss, you know, I'd talk to guys like you and Ron and stuff, you know, while we're waiting for Patrick and post game or post availability, we can kind of like, you know, talk about stuff or, you know, talk to, you know, Patrick a little bit off the record or just get that sort of like human relationship. But do you think, and by the way, the away games, now, I know the Washington Post, you guys go to some away games. I don't go very many away games. The idea that we have all of this, they're at Creighton. And instead of scouring the internet and seeing what Creighton puts online, I can ask Patrick Ewing a question after the Creighton game. So do you think we'll see some of this stuff stick? Or what? where do you sort of see you know, the media landscape going when we get back to normal? It's very interesting because I see both sides of it. But I, my care is that it's a slippery slope that teams and programs and leagues will want to say, hey, we got through this last year doing all of this on Zoom. What What's the purpose of going back? What do we need to go back for? And I think that's absolutely um, detrimental to um, our coverage yeah. to um, to our readers, to people that follow that that want more insight um, to the program. Like for instance, for me, for so this is my first year. This was my first year covering Georgetown. Um, you know, I've never talked to Patrick Ewing in person. Yeah. Um, you know, so and 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 we all know you know Patrick can be a little bit closed off as it as it is. Um, and so I just I just feel you don't you definitely don't build those relationships that you have um over Zoom calls and over video. It's it's just a completely different way of having a conversation with someone where you, it it's just not natural. It's just not flowing. You don't you don't have all of the body cues and the facial things that, that that you come with a regular conversation, and so you know, it it becomes so regimented. And for someone like me, I think that's where you know we all have strengths as reporters in, in different ways. Um, my strength has always been that that connection of building a source, um, talking to someone face to face being able to kind of make a connection where, um, you know, they're, they're relaxed and they're more comfortable um, maybe speaking about things that, you know, that if we're just staring at each other over a computer screen that, that they wouldn't naturally say, or, um, you know, you, you talked a minute ago, you know, those moments where either before or after a scrum where I can grab, pull, you know, grab, Patrick's, you know, sleeve and ask him a quick question or, yeah. or have him explain a scenario or the same thing with players, all of that, that environment is, gone. is kind of, is gone. And that's where I excel. So for me, um, I understand the, I understand the zooms and the video kind of expand that access. Um, I, I get that part. But for someone like me who does their best work face-to-face, um, it, it, it's really a hindrance to me. Like, I feel like I would have covered this team 
a thousand times better had I just been able to, um, you know, talk to people face to face um, because it, it's just, it, it just rings really hollow for me. So um, I, I get it. And I definitely think there's going to be things that stick around, especially technology wise. Um, but the, those two things are my biggest worry is that, that leagues and teams and programs will use this as an excuse of, uh, as an excuse to limit coverage, which quite frankly, they're not necessarily limit coverage, but limit access, which is something they always try to do because they like to, you know, be controlling, quite frankly. Um, and for me, again, uh, um, that that personal face-to-face contact, you know, you, you get so much out of those conversations, even when it's either, it's, it might not be on the record, or it might be just in the middle of the scrum, you know, somebody makes a joke or you're, you're talking about the, the, everybody watching Steph Curry the night before, like all of those little moments are, are, are so huge in, in developing these relationships and, and, and getting to know people just kind of as, as people, as opposed to, you know, me just being a reporter sitting there ready to, throw a microphone in your face or consistently just asking questions or, or questioning what you did and how you did your job. Um, you know, that's, that's hard for those guys from, uh, from their perspective, just to kind of always be questioned, questioned, questions like that. I think when they get to know us on a more personal level, that I think that, kind of eases some of that tension that sometimes can kind of build because you understand, hey, you know this person, you know this is a person just trying to do their job, not necessarily a person who's like, hey, I'm always trying to get you on something um, negative, which there are people like that. Um, but for me personally, that's when I think I, that's when I do my best work. So I'm very anxious to get back to um to all of that stuff to 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 the to everything in person um that's that's more of my thing again because that's that's kind of um where that's where i kind of excel and think that i kind of separate myself a little bit of time you know as you can tell i can ramble for a long time so <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a talker <laughs> yeah yeah i guess you know like i said when i when i think about it from what i do for the ap and you know, I'm working Nats over the weekend and it's just a Zoom where you could possibly talk to somebody in either clubhouse that's not part of the big scrum. That's not available. You just get who they give you, which is obviously not great, right? Particularly, oh my God, like, I mean, you know, in NFL locker room, it's just chaos after a game. Oh yeah. And, you know, you want to get in the big scrum that's around Josh Norman or do you want to talk to, I don't know, I can't even think of anybody else, but you want, do, you, do you want to try and get um, Quentin Dunbar on the side? So that's a, but I just think that with Georgetown, I think that there, there, there were some zoom positives in that. I thought we got more midweek availabilities and I'm not sure how many people would have attended. And then you never know if not a lot of people are going to go, are they going to have it, you know? Um, And the post game stuff too. Like maybe, you know, Ewing was always, I keep going back to Omaha. Ewing was always going to have to speak after the Creighton game, but it might have just been like, you know, the AP reporter, 
someone from you know the student page, there wouldn't have been a lot of people there right so i wonder if there's a way to incorporate taking some zoom questions for those of us that didn't travel and i know maybe i'm trying to get the best of both worlds and that's usually not something that can be obtained but i'm trying to figure out a way that that could happen i i definitely get that i get like i said there's there's a whole lot of um as far as being able to access people that is that that's that's kind of that's definitely expanded i completely get that um but at the same time um you know like and you you have to also understand i haven't um i hadn't had i haven't been privy to the structure the georgetown structure before yeah. this year yeah. so um so i don't have a, a comparison in that way and you know, from talking to other folks that have covered the team for years, um, I my understanding of is that that can be tight in its own in its own way. Um, but you know, some of the things that I was kind of frustrated, you know, after you know after road games, you know, we weren't getting players post game over Zoom. Uh, you know, so that was something that was frustrating to me, where I felt like, hey, if we were covering this live, obviously we would get a player post game kind of a thing. Um, or like, like you said, um, you know, using the NFL example, I'm quick to, unless, it, unless it's, you know, depending on, you know, deadline issues and things like that, but I'm quick to try to avoid the scrum, go get somebody on the side when it's only just me or maybe one or two other people. Yeah. Again, that's, that's when I do, I do my best work in, in, in the smaller groups with with you know maybe me and two three other reporters talking to somebody where it's literally more of a conversation than than the regimented okay now you ask okay now you ask and okay now you ask kind of a thing so i always felt for me i could go get somebody else on the side while the big scrum's going on and then when that dissipates hey then i can slide back and grab josh for a couple seconds and grab the couple questions that i yeah. need um you know, more casually than in the big group. So, I mean, I definitely see both sides of it. Um, you know, I'm I'm just kind of talking about, you know, my perspective as far as um, how I best work. And, yeah. And, well, and, and there's something, sorry, Kareem, and there's something that no. I didn't even bring up yet, which, and for someone that's full-time like you, it's definitely a big deal. Um, it's a big deal for me when I'm performing this this job but there has to be some reward for showing up to stuff. Right. And yes. that's the thing where, you know, you ask a good question and if a lot of people aren't there, you know, it's not going to get out there. And like, there's been times where this year, even though, you know, I don't know if it's an unwritten rule or whatever, but there there's been times where instead of just like tweeting out something that Ewing said, if I know you're, you know, if I, if, it, if it's a question that, you know, you asked, and I'm thinking, like, you know, if I'm not going to write on this, let me see if Kareem's going to put this in his article because there's, you know, it's not really necessarily like now with Twitter and everything's obviously changed since we started doing this. But there, there are moments where it's like, hey, you know, now that there's people on this Zoom that are kind of, you know, maybe not writing full time on it or going to write an article about this, but they're going to tweet it, like that's kind of your quote to do that. So they're, I guess maybe I'm kind of going back into what I was saying was a positive and the fact that we get the access, but there are times where there should be a reward for showing up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tricky, there's a, there's, 
there's it, it's not a you know it's not a black and white question it's not a black and white scenario there's a yeah. whole lot of gray there but and yes um you're absolutely right that's like that's um i'm a member of the um uh, pro basketball writers association and that's a uh a, been a big conversation um over the last year and um about how they had their zooms and things like that because um there was a lot of arguments of hey you know it's it's not you know it's not fair for so and so who's who covers 82 games and 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 you know quite frankly gives up a large stretch of their life to to have the best coverage of yeah. the Celtics or whoever um and every time they ask a question it's broadcast to everybody to use from wherever you know that that's sure. also kind of what i was talking about with the in, the live stuff you know if you're there um there's a lot of times where you have a question where you just don't want to ask it in front of the group and so yeah. as soon as you yeah. get done you're like hey i got one more for you just, <laughs> yeah. i just didn't want to ask in front of everybody you know that that yeah. has been completely eliminated um through zooms so, um, you know, it, that's the, like I said, a lot of, it's going to be interesting to see um, the, the, the how things get incorporated as things get back to normal um, over the next, you know, over the next year. But um, yeah, I'll say, I'm, I'm, I'll <laughs> say as a George, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll just say as from, from the Georgetown perspective, from doing this for a while now for a bunch of different places, I think it was, I think it was actually a pretty good year. Um, if you want to, if you want to weigh up the positives and the negatives, but I understand that it's hard to only keep the positives right without incorporate without you know the negatives sort of just being a part of it. Um, I do want to say this, and I can't believe I'm going to say it this way. And I know I mentioned to you earlier, so that's not a surprise. I-, I saw Michael Graham out there saying that he's working on a book with you, and I was like, this is incredible. This is great because there's not a lot. I know Michael Graham's life is more than just his one year at Georgetown, but his one year at Georgetown was a pretty important year at Georgetown. And the fact that it was just one year, that's also a story in and of itself. What can you speak about this? Because I know that, you know, obviously the Thompson book came out. There was a Thompson book out when I was younger. Um, You know, I think there's an Alonzo Mourning book out, but I think that's more about his pro career and his uh, overcoming his health problems. So this is pretty exciting from a Georgetown perspective that, you're working on a project with Michael Graham. What can you tell us about this? Um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. You know, we kind of linked up right around shortly before the Thompson um, book came out and, you know, kind of just kind of started talking about the prospects of it. You know, he, I think he's kind of wanted to work on something for a while and it, it, it didn't for a uh, multitude of reasons, never kind of kind of clicked or wasn't the right timing. And um, so we kind of like started basically, I would say, say you know i would probably right around the new year i would think if i've got my timing correct maybe a little bit going back into the fall um you know it's pretty exciting you know he's got a he's got a super interesting story as a as a, as a dc guy who got here for a year and there's a uh, a ton of behind the scenes stuff about how he got here in the first place and and um, you know, some of the, the, the shady dealings with, with, um, that just comes with recruiting in general, not, not specifically just him, but it's like another example of, um, you know, a lot of times we think things are, are, are real simple and it, it's really not, it's, it's, uh, guys have connections and they're trying to, you know, um, kind of 
gently push guys in certain directions but when the when the kids have other ideas you know it's it's such a crazy it it's it's so crazy about how big of a you know this, everything is a you know you almost can say everything's a relationship business but especially when it kind of comes to recruiting and, and college basketball and, and college athletics um with so many people's hands kind of in the mix so um definitely interesting how um that entire year kind of played out and, and, and his departure. I don't want to give too much away right now, but yeah. it's, it's, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of stories that I had never heard and a lot of perspectives about, um, uh, about John and about the program and about that year that, that, um, that I hadn't heard before. Um, so I think it's That's definitely cool. going to be super interesting. Um, I'm glad to kind of hop back, uh, you know, everything kind of had to pause for the month of March just because it was a little bit uh, crazy there. But um, I'm excited to, to, to kind of get the ball back rolling. And um, I definitely think he's got a interesting story that um, definitely Georgetown fans will be into. But I think college basketball fans in general, um, because, it's you know, it's more than just, hey, what happened, um, you know, on the floor for these you know, for this specific season, you know, it's, it's a story about a, a guy who, who went through a lot of up and ups and downs in his life. And, and like I said, that that's the stuff that's always interesting to me. Like, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a sports junkie always have been, but kind of like I was talking about a minute ago, um, it's the relationships and, 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 and talking to folks, um, not necessarily about, you know, what's going on between the lines that, that is always interesting to me. And, you know, if, if you follow, if, if you read my stuff, you probably kind of pick up on that. <laughs> um, the, the, those, those sides of the stories are always, you know, um, as if not more interesting to me than, than, than what happened, you know, than, than what we can find out in a box score. So I think there's a, um, I think there's a really good story there from Michael and everything that he's kind of gone through both leading up to Georgetown and since Georgetown. So um, I'm definitely excited to, um, you know, to, to, to be part of that and blessed to be part of it and, and excited to kind of um, see a final product when, when we get there, um, you know, down the road. Any idea for anyone that wants to put on their Google calendar, when to be, when to be looking about this? Um, it, that's, hard to say right now but um no, i figured you know, that's okay I, I do think that we would want to um you know i do think that we would want to kind of build around a, a big college basketball moment so i would i wouldn't think it would happen you know randomly in the middle of the summer you know i, I would definitely think it would um coincide with 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 um college basketball being on all our minds for sure cool well i'm not gonna lie i have a pretty good memory and I do remember one of the Zooms, I don't know which one, I think you started it off and you said, hey, Patrick, just want to say, uh, I was talking to Michael Graham, he says hi. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah. that's that's weird, I wonder what he's doing. And then obviously you asked a question <laughs> and then we got into the we got into the mode of trying to extract some good you know, insight into what was going on on that particular day. And then when I saw him, I saw him put that on Facebook, Michael Graham and I was like, "Oh, I remember. I this makes this is all coming together now." This is, yeah, this, we were, this is all we coming talking, together now. I mean, we pretty much have a standing appointment of talking just about once a week, and it was it was funny that day. Literally, I had just gotten off the phone with Michael 
five minutes before we started. The, um, I might have had to get off just because, hey, I'm about to talk to Patrick. He was like, oh, don't Patrick, I say what's up. I was like, cool, we'll do. Yeah. I think I think he's won the lottery like at least once or twice maybe. Definitely at least once. Definitely at least <laughs> once. Um, he's an it, interesting guy. That's what I'm saying. He's got such a he's got such a wild story that's like, um, <laughs> like just things that have happened to him that he's gone through that are like, who? Where does this stuff happen at? Like this is crazy. So. <laughs> Um, he's definitely got an amazing story that goes beyond just basketball for sure. Well, that's awesome. Well, Kareem, I've kept you way longer than I probably thought. And I want to thank you for your patience in dealing with this. I think everyone's, you know, excited to have you on, get your perspective as a Washington Post beat reporter. Um, again, I know you're busy. I should have had you on earlier. Um, so my apologies there and hopefully, we can hang out at a Kenner League game this year. Although I don't know if that's going to happen, but I can at least <laughs> hope right now that that, that that's going to be that's going to be a possibility. Everyone can obviously find your work at the Washington Post. Um, if you don't have the Washington Post, I don't know what you're doing. I have the Washington Post. It's great. Um, it's at Kareem Copeland on Twitter. And everyone listening to Kente Corner, thank you very much. If you haven't subscribed already, you should go ahead and do that. It helps us out. You can obviously find us wherever you found us to listen today. But most people are coming through Apple, and we got some Spotify. And there's other locations as well. Um, If there's something that I'm missing, go ahead and send me a message on Twitter. The DMs are open, at Bobby Bancroft. And Kareem, again, I want to thank you for a lot of your time this afternoon. Hey, I appreciate you having me and, 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 and letting me ramble for as long as I do. So um, I appreciate it. We'll have to definitely do it again. And, and again, yeah, hopefully we can meet in person at one of these times and, and first drinks on me. Well, you know, we, we probably might, maybe you don't even remember, but we hung out at Gene's 50th. Oh, Gino! Holy smokes. And I you actually, forgot. you actually, we actually, we actually did. I think we each bought each other around. So it, it's so funny. That was um, you know, pretty close <laughs> after I'd been first gotten here. I just uh, I just hung out. Me and Gino watched the um, watched a little bit of Masters the other day. I love Gino. That's okay. Guy. Um, yeah. But oh, good gracious! Yes, that was that was part of my um, um, you know part of my introduction to 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 DC and Georgetown in general. You know, it's kind of been such a whirlwind kind of. Um, you know, kind of moving here, especially, and then having a pandemic break out pretty soon afterwards. So um, it, it's pretty crazy. So okay, so next drink is still on me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to try and talk you out of that. I just want to let you know that we have we have cheers before. <laughs> we need more cheers, brother. We need more. Ab- absolutely. All right, Kareem, again, thank you so much for your time, and I'll be talking to you soon. All right, talk to you soon, brother. Thanks for having me again.